everyone. Welcome to UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dan Young. Coach Donnan is not going to join us this week. He is out in Oklahoma, I believe, or he's somewhere. He's with his family. So I didn't want to press too much, but he said he's with the family, so we're not going to give him too much grief about that. Uh, it is the Thanksgiving week, and uh, we are very thankful that all of you are joining us, and we appreciate that. So uh, without Coach here, we will basically take a ton of questions. We won't answer them as well, but we will give you our best efforts and uh, try to get through them. I hate not having a coach here because we always get his recap of the game, you know, the past game, especially this Kentucky game. A lot of people are like, why was it so close? And Dane, when I, I was up there, it was cold as hell. It was windy. Uh, I think when everyone starts getting, you know, panicking about a game like that, I'm like, hey, it's the end of the season. Everyone had close games. I mean, you could be a Tennessee fan right now and we'll be wondering what the hell happened. But when um, Ohio State, they won by, what, 13? Uh, Michigan had to hold on for a win. TCU had 14 seconds to win a game. So the top four basically won by 26 points combined. You know, you had a, you had a double-digit victory over an SEC opponent. Look at you doing math. Yeah, it's just it, – it, it's tight. So uh, that's the time, type of season it has been – um, I would not worry too much about that Georgia Kentucky game, but there are, you know, there are some concerns. Um, I'd not really worried so much about this week, but hey, can, uh, Georgia Tech's would love nothing more than to play spoiler. So anyway, we're going to talk about all that stuff this week and um, answer a lot of questions from you uh, from our uh, UJ Sports message board. And of course, if you have a question, put it into the comments section. We will be able to get to more of those this week than we normally do because. Let's just face it, I don't have that much to contribute to the show, so the best thing we can do is answer your questions. Uh, first, we want to give a quick shout-out to all of our sponsors. Of course, uh, uh, Athens Ford and their Angel program they're doing out there. We'll tell you more about that. Of course, Your Pie Pizza is Double Points Tuesday. Prime Shrimp, a lot of our people jumped on Prime Shrimp's deal last week when they had 48% off. That was a, quite the deal. Uh, Dead Soxy, they have a promo going on right now. Buy one, get one free. And, of course, my perfect franchise. There, It's always good to reach out to Andy Ducky and talk to him. And, of course, if you're watching the World Cup, check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They've got the, all the games on TVs out there. They were actually the Royal Peasant in Five Points uh, with their big truck out there pouring beer. So shout out to all of our sponsors. Dane, give me your thoughts on this past week. I know you did the film breakdown. Uh, you were you did the watch along with Coach Donnan. I couldn't, I, was, I couldn't hear what he was saying because I was at the field uh, freezing my – Tail feathers off. So tell me a little bit about what coach thought about the game on Saturday. Well, now I feel the pressure to say something in regard to Chalardo's or Aunt Mary's breath. Or I mean, I've been around Coach Donna now for a few years. So I think I've picked up all the all the terms and mechanisms. Uh, you know, overall, I think it was kind of what you were saying with college football that there was very much a survive and advance, and it seemed like TCU couldn't, and they did. It seemed like Michigan couldn't, and they did. Georgia. It did more than survive that game, I thought. That was one where Georgia was never really in danger of losing, but you just looked at it and said, this this Georgia team's not getting a yard when it needs to, and that happened about four times. And I know that that was concerning for a lot of people. This was the game, though, Roddy, that I thought that Georgia would have against Mississippi State the week prior, and that was the one that I was at, and it was cold there, too, not quite as cold as Kentucky. But the combination of those two games and, and cold weather against teams that just aren't fun to play, I, I thought that Georgia would struggle in, in at least one of those games, maybe both of them. And if that's what a struggling Georgia looks like in comparison to what you see around the rest of the country, 
It's why Georgia's number one. It's why Georgia's the favorite to win the national championship. It's why, if you're just looking at projecting what's going forward, you like Georgia's chances against anyone that it plays. That's not to say Georgia can't be beat. It definitely can. Yeah. And I think we've seen that multiple times this season. But I just think every team in the country has warts of some kind. And Georgia just has a lot more depth. And Georgia has a lot more leadership at key positions. I thought specifically when I rewatched the game film, Georgia's defensive backs are so much better as a unit than they were even the Oregon game at the beginning of the season, where it looked like, oh, maybe they're going to pick on Kamari Lasseter all year as the season goes on. Yeah. Or if Keely Ringo has, has a weird um, penalty or, or something like that, that it just completely derails what's going on. Overall, I think Georgia's defensive backs have grown a ton. And it's still mind-blowing to me that Ringo gets targeted more than Lasseter does, which to me is just a compliment to what Lasseter has done on his side of the ball. He, he's making some mistakes still, don't get me wrong, but you combine them with the emergence of Javon Bullard, and it's just a gritty secondary that Georgia has, and most teams don't have that physical play, tackling especially at that level. And I'm thinking Javon Bullard, Malachi Starks, a true freshman, uh, Kamari Lasseter, when he a sophomore, that's that's a good core. And, yeah, they're going to go after Keely Ringo sometimes because that's he's often lined up against their best wide receiver, so – you go to just like we say, hey, go to Brock Bowers, no matter who's on him, they're gonna do that. And you know, sometimes Keely gets up those plays, but then he also has what two interceptions the last two games, so uh, or at least no, he had the one against the uh, last three games or so. So, uh, big shout out to Keely Ringo coming up with a uh, huge uh, interception and return. Well, and the thing with Ringo, it's like a mistake happens with him, and it's almost like instantly the next drive, he makes <laughs> a game changing play that you you're listening to. It's like, over now. Yeah, if this is a special season, you're going to have three Keeling Ringo plays that you're like, it didn't happen without those. Yeah, that's very true. And, yeah, the secondary, I had questions about him at the beginning of the season. A lot of people did. You're replacing, you know, some very talented guys. Plus, you lost William Poole. You then left the team. Then Dan Jackson goes down. So, like, from your experience standpoint, the guys who have seen a lot and who can analyze quickly and uh, who just have a lot of experience, those guys weren't out there. You know, Chris Smith is really the rock uh, – rock that that secondary is built on and he is moving up the recruit the uh draft charts i mean here's a guy who i mean if you'd asked me two years ago does chris smith get drafted i'm like no he's just too little you know and just i just don't see it but we're now with people talking about him first second third round draft pick i'm like wow that's fantastic so you know fingers crossed for him i don't know where he'll eventually go but i thought the uh, linebackers played really well small munden was everywhere it's it's a different team when jalen carter's play it's a different team when Small Munden's out there. That's not a shot against Pop. It's just there's a considerable drop off between Small Munden and his replacement. You know, that's nothing. Not trying it's to take over the two that works so well. They need exactly. both of those guys out there. You know, it's not. I'm not saying that Tresman Marshall and Rion Davis can't do it. It's just Small is just he brings a lot to it. And uh, uh, Dumas Johnson mentioned that yesterday. So, but the last few games having big Jalen Carter out there and then having you know. Um, Kamari played well. That defense did a great job. I mean, this was a productive offense. They held him, you know, to just a few points. I thought it was very, very impressive. So, uh, yeah, they hit some big throws, but, I mean, they they had to. And it, and it was cold out there. Now, the, the the scary part is the, you know, what was supposed to be carrying the defense this year was Georgia's offense. And we have a lot of questions and a lot of nervousness about how Georgia's offense is faring right now, mainly, and, you know, Teams averaging what 39, 40 points a game. 
But when you only score 16 against Kentucky, everyone starts to get worried. What's going to happen when you play LSU? What's going to happen if you have Ohio State in the playoffs? What's going to happen if you get a team into a shootout? I think the biggest concern for me, because remember in the first couple of weeks, it was where's Georgia's run game, you know, then they then it was where's Georgia's passing game, then it was back to the run game. But as you mentioned, there were numerous times when Georgia was trying to punch it in. They bring in big Jalen Carter and try twice to punch the ball into the end zone from the one-yard line. They can't. And I thought Brent made a great point that Georgia's 0 for 7 in his last uh, seven attempts to get one yard. We asked Kirby Smart about it at the, at the press conference. He's like, we've got to be able to get one yard. He was asked multiple times, why did you go for it on fourth down when, uh, you know, you could have kicked or, you know, on the one-yard line when you could have kicked a field goal? Uh, and he's like, well, then they'll have to drive 99 yards, which they did. And the, the whole complexion of the game changed. It was a huge momentum shift. But when you have all those four- and five-star offensive linemen, you know, you have Cedric Grand Prams a monster. You have Xavier Truss and Devin Willick and Broderick Jones, who's going to be a high draft pick, and uh, Warren McClendon, who's going to be a high draft pick, two of the best tight ends in the nation. How can you not get one yard? And then, you know, third and one, fourth and one. This is a team that Georgia had was on fourth down when they've gone for it on fourth down. It was like nine for nine. Now, all of a sudden, they've been stopped a few times. So you're starting to get a little nervous about what's going on there. And I think we even had a uh, comment early on. Um, uh, Sam Burson uh, from the Bills of the O-Line's not executing on short yardage situations. That, to me, if you have to point to an Achilles heel right now, I'm not trying to make too big a deal out of it. I'm just saying it's that's when people left the stadium, that's what I was hearing them talking about. Why couldn't they punch it in there? And they started looking back at the other situations. They're like, well, what's going to happen? Because you're going to need, I don't care who you play. At some point against Tech, you're going to need to get that one yard. At some point against LSU, you're damn sure going to have to get that one yard. So what's going on there? And you asked Kirby, how do you fix it? I thought it was a great, simple question. Here was his answer. Because I don't know. You got it. I mean, you you be creative. You know, you, you have to th- sit and think, are we in the best personnel grouping to do it? Are we giving it uh, to the right side? Are we attacking the weakness of their defense? There's all kinds of things that go into it in pre-planning of where are their best players, where are our best players? Are we in our best personnel grouping? Do you have to get big to get one yard, or can you stay little and spread them out? There's a lot that goes into it. But philosophically, we've been – using what we think is the best uh, grouping. And you look at that each and every week, how it matches up against the opponent. So philosophically, Georgia's actions tell you that they think the best way to get one yard is to get big, especially down in the red zone when it's doing that, because that's when you see Jalen Carter come in. That's when you see Austin Blasky come in. I, I thought on one particular play, it was, and Brent did such a good job on Film Don't Line this week pointing this out. Brent Rollins with Pro Football Focus. Just the simple footwork of Warren Erickson beside Broderick Jones wasn't right. And so from the start, if, if Erickson's foot is a little more north and south and a little less east and west, it's much more likely that that particular play works. And that's what the margins are when you're talking about one yard. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen every, like, machination of this right we it was a quarterback sneak that Stetson Bennett tried that didn't work well I, I don't necessarily think Stetson Bennett sneaking is going to be your money play here unless somehow you get a push better than what you did up front like that can solve a lot of the woes there but what Brent was saying is on any of these plays you need to give Stetson Bennett the option and decision of something to do and yeah. then he actually called out the one in the second quarter 
it was the national championship play where it could be a quick pull and just that little toss to Brock Bowers. And do you trust him in the open field, potentially in a one-on-one situation to get a yard? I always do. And I would say if you're in the red zone, the ball needs to be in Stetson Bennett's hands. It needs to be in Brock Bowers' hands, or maybe it goes to Darnell Washington's hands. I don't know that I'd let anyone else touch it, including all of the running backs. I'm with you there. Uh, there was a couple times earlier in the year where they tried to you know, get the fourth down with uh, Adesia and Edwards, you know, or uh, uh, Kendall Milton. And uh, just, that's not a shot against either one of them. Just saying it's a situation where if I'm going to give it to a running back, I'm giving it to Kenny Mack. Uh, to me, he's the top running back that you have there. But I like the idea of, you know, we need one yard, quarterback keep. Don't snap it, you know, six yards deep to a guy in the shotgun when you're trying to get one yard. Stetson Bennett trying to squirt through behind big Cedric Van Brand. Devin Willock to one side, you know. Uh, Tate Ravage when he's healthy out there, you know, or Xavier Truss. Those guys are monsters. They're huge. That's the best you know, one of these giant offensive lines. So I get Kirby Smart's philosophy on it, saying, you know, do we get big, do we get small? And when you get small and spread them out, that's a lot of lanes for guys to come through. So maybe you think we can push – we should be able to push those guys back one yard or a half yard and then Stetson squirts through and gets it. Or that we should be able to follow Jalen Carter – you know, doesn't matter how many guys they bring to the line, whichever side of the line he rushes to, he negates the extra rusher on that side. He takes them out and you just follow him for the one yard and twice it got stopped. So you got to give Kentucky and Mississippi State credit for being able to stop a few of those. Uh, you know, they, they sell out for it. But I love the idea of, you know, if they're all going to crash like that, maybe all of a sudden Stetson just walks around untouched. <laughs> and we've seen him do that in the past where they fake it up inside. And then he squirts to the edge, and there's nobody there to stop him. So, I did like Brock Bowers lining up at fullback. I think there's some things you can do with that. And even early in the season, when Georgia had some running back issues, like we we all kind of halfway joked and kicked around the idea of, well, how'd you put Brock Bowers at running back? He's, He's probably your best back athlete, there, that, right? That, that's what I was saying. Like we all joked about it, and then you and I heard the same thing of, well, he's taking some reps there. Yeah, I, I love the idea too. I just. Again, Dejan Edwards can maybe get through there, but, you know, and maybe Stetson Bennett, neither one of those are the biggest guys out there, but sometimes they can worm their way through. Sometimes it works to have a smaller guy, you know, or give me, you know, I go back to when uh, Thomas Brown always got that, you know, JT Wall got that. The guys, you know, who could squat 600 pounds, you know, they, they're just, they can move bodies to get where they needed to go. And sometimes you leave it up to the refs. I hate to say it, but when you all slam into the middle like that, they're trying to see exactly how far you got. And, of course, on, you're on defense. Your job is to snatch the guy backwards, you know, and you know, don't let him sit there and keep worming his way towards the front of the pot. You pick him up and carry him backwards just to make sure that they have to guess where he was, and sometimes that doesn't go, go well for you. And I'm not going to second-guess Kirby Smart. I mean, the reason I asked him, what do you do to fix it? Because I want to know. I want to hear from the man. And he talked about his best personnel versus their best personnel, the philosophies of it. And when you have a situation like in all 22 bodies or within three, four yards of the ball when it snapped, everybody's got to do their job. And when I was going back and looking at it, and I'm no expert by any means, but I could point to a different guy each time that missed a block or couldn't, couldn't get movement on his guy or somebody came through at a different spot. 
And it's just, it has to be a, a perfect choreography to make it work. And it's, if Georgia has one wart going forward right now, it's, it's that one. And I trust Kirby Smart to get that fixed before this weekend. Because I'm mean, wondering what JT Wall's big old early 2000s shoulder pads would look <laughs> like on top of Darnell Washington. <laughs> like it'd be like from hash to hash, right? It would take up the middle of the field. Yeah, we're, I know a lot of people don't give Richard Samuel a lot of credit, but I, that was a guy. It's like, okay, here's a linebacker. Here's one of the strongest guys, pound for pound. Give it to him. Let's get that one yard. Okay, let's all right, now let's go back to giving it to the other guys. But, you know, Richard Samuel came in and got you that one yard. I remember that. And, you know, it's like Alex Waller says, maybe try not running straight into the uh, middle of the line. Maybe, but also – the shortest distance between two points is straight ahead. If you can move those guys one yard, three feet, you know the snap count. They don't. They have to wait for the ball to move. So you get to move first. These guys are six feet tall, six and a half. If they come out of their stance and get a, uh, any sort of push, they've got three feet. They got one yard. They get, they get to go first. They get to go stronger. They get to go higher or low wherever they're going. They know where the ball's going. They know to push right or left. You should be able to get one yard. And that's just the frustrating thing about it when it doesn't work because the guy, you know, shoots through a gap or the backside guy comes in and takes you down. It's like, Could you assess the mood of the sideline on a couple of the times when, because, you know, it goes to commercial break on TV. So we don't always see what the emotion is from Georgia when they have failed to get one yard. Did you notice anything? Uh, They're a little frustrated when they couldn't punch it in. I mean, after the 99-yard one, and then the fact that uh, the defense came out there like, okay, we're going to get a safety here. We're going to get it. And I think the first play on that was uh, a pass, you know, and I think it was a short or something like that. But they thought they were going to be able to get him. Same with the opening kickoff when Kentucky had to start within the shadow of its own goal line. The defense came out thinking we're going to get it. So complete confidence on the defense, even after they gave up the 99-yard drive, uh, the offense – they were a little frustrated on the sideline, but for the game in total, they were frustrated not because they didn't punch it in, you know, and they're like, God, but never any, this game is getting away from us. Okay. Kentucky has momentum, just uh, their smiles, uh, guys trying to stay warm, uh, no real panic, no fresh, you know, real frustration, but you can tell that they wanted that one. And Kirby said, look, uh, that that's a, that's a statement play. He said in the post-game press conference when we asked him about it, he said, that is a statement play. You know, you uh, got, you know, your chance to punch it in instead of, uh, you know, give, go up 16, you know, go up 23, something like that. That is your, your, turn, your, your turn to make a statement. And they couldn't. So, again, you're not going to see them, you know, uh, cutting their wrists over there and, you know, gnashing their teeth and, hitting themselves with flails they're just uh they didn't get to make a statement there and i think you would have seen a a lot uh, bigger smiles on the sideline if you line up man to man and you beat them well as kirby said we 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 went man to man and they they beat us and then that gave kentucky a a, a shot in the arm they go 99 yards to score now all of a sudden it's a, a much different ball game a lot of different factors as you look ahead to how all that projects over the next two weeks. Georgia Tech doesn't have those kind of dudes on the defensive line to do any of this. So that's one yeah. thing. But then two. They've got two top 25 wins. They, they do. I, I, look, I'm not saying that Georgia Tech is just going to be 
the same dreadful Georgia Tech they've been for the last four years. But like Georgia should handle Georgia Tech. I mean, oh, yeah. we don't have to we don't have to parse that. But even projecting ahead to SEC championship, LSU's best defensive lineman has been out since like week two, and he's not playing this year. It's Mason Smith. He's phenomenal. Like I I think he's a guy that if he were playing in this game just the degree of talent that LSU is amassing on defense, I think they would compete against Georgia very well if he was in there. Because uh, you talk about Smith, and then you talk about uh, <laughs> Harold Perkins, and I mean, if it, uh, it's so strange that if LSU has a weakness, it's, it's secondary, which has not happened in my life, I don't think. But yeah. like defensively, their front seven projecting ahead to like next year is ridiculous and it's only going to get better with what brian kelly's starting to do there so i think georgia has drawn some some lucky situations where you avoid alabama's defensive line in the sec championship you play a lsu defensive front which doesn't have all of its potential guys now look i get that georgia doesn't have everybody either but georgia has Jalen carter and most everyone else doesn't but when i look at georgia it's obvious and it was obvious well you know from, from saturday the loss of Nolan Smith is gigantic. Um, right now, I think it's it's a much bigger loss than losing Adam Anderson last year. And there were times when you could definitely feel what you know this team needs an Adam Anderson. Uh, where is he? Uh, not having him was you know you saw the sack production just kind of dissipate without him out there, or just even the pressures. Uh, not having Nolan Smith is just uh, changes the complexion of this team. Glad to see him have a good game and. They will be tested much more stringently, you know, against LSU and against uh, whoever they meet in the playoffs. But uh, not having him out there is a big deal. But because the best pass yeah. rusher right now is probably who Michael, Michael Williams, true freshman. Yeah, but again, uh, I mean, I'll, that would be my first thought, absolutely. But a lot of times when he comes in, it's on that third down. It's an obvious, it's an obvious passing down, you know. Yeah. So when you can just lay your ears back and just go after him, you know, it's like, hey, this guy's a great pass rusher. Well. I mean, that's what he was told to do. He, he didn't have a run responsibility on that play. He didn't have to sit back and assess and, you know, get that hesitation when they uh, blitz him. Now, right now, the best pass rusher to me is Javon Bullard. Fair. <laughs> he comes off that corner blitz. It's, uh, that's fun to watch. He's, he's lightning fast, but uh, not having him will. That, That's my 478 uh, mm-hmm. brother down there. Well, I didn't catch it. I said that's my four seven eight brethren down there. Oh, yeah. He's from Milledgeville. You always shout out Conyers. I get to shout out my four seven eight people. Nobody cares about South Georgia and your four seven eight. That's like kind of middle central uh, Georgia. It's not quite South Georgia. Nobody knows. Nobody Georgia. cares. Everyone cares. <laughs> Those people could have screamed me up. Anyone that's gone anywhere in Georgia's had to try to not to get a speeding ticket in Lawrence County. They know. Or or Jefferson, as uh, my son can attest. We won't oh talk no. About <laughs> Uh, speaking of speeding tickets, if you want to avoid those, go get a car from uh, Athens Ford because they do a great job of getting a car that has an accurate speedometer in it. You can't use that excuse. Saying, can they guarantee no speeding tickets if you buy from them? That's no, I'm just saying at least if you get a speeding ticket in a car you bought from Athens Ford, then you know that it's your fault because the speedometer was accurate and you can't go, well, the officer didn't. I mean, I felt like I was going 65. I wasn't doing 74 and a 50, but, you know, so – that happens uh, if you buy your car somewhere else. So if you want to be sure that you have a fantastic vehicle that has an accurate speedometer and all it works like it's supposed to, check out our friends at Athens Ford. Any uh, new vehicle you buy from them will have a lifetime powertrain warranty. And if you buy one, a vehicle from them now, new or used, 
Uh, Athens Ford is partnering with the uh, Salvation Army for Toys and Tots, um, the Angel List. Now, basically, the Angel List, the kids let people know what they want for Christmas, kids who are, are in need. And the Angel List for every vehicle you buy, Athens Ford will contribute $100 to that kid's list to buy them the toys and the uh, items that they have requested. So they can actually go in. You're not just buying a random toy and handing it to a kid. The kids actually gets to say, this is what I want. I want Lego, Transformers, Hungry Hungry Hippos, whatever it is. And people go out and buy that. Speaking of, uh, a similar thing is going on at Classics and Eats right now. They have 10 families that have not been picked up. So if you are in Watkinsville, please go back Classic City Eats. They have 10 families they are trying to get taken care of for this Christmas. They've taken care of a lot of others, but they got 10 left. So hit them up. And also check out Athens Ford. Go see the new Broncos. Go see the uh, F-150s. Uh, I think we even have the electric, the uh, rechargeable electric uh, F-150 Lightning in. Go check out the, my friends at Athens Ford and help somebody on the angel list when you buy a vehicle out there. And of course, it's also Tuesday. It is double points day. I know a lot of people are thinking, "Well, we got uh, Thanksgiving coming up." You're not, you're not ready. You're not there yet. You may be prepping food. You may be cooking food, but it's not ready for you so far. Uh, make it easier on the family. Order from your pie. You get double points today if you do it on the app. You can get the spicy Italian pizza. You can get their sandwiches. You can get their uh, pastas, salads, uh, all sorts of wonderful things out there. Uh, beer, gelato, everything you want. Order it today, uh, pick up delivery, eat in, eat in. Uh, they have it all covered for you, but hit them up today and get double points while you can. You had mentioned earlier about Jamon Dumas Johnson, and he spoke after Kirby Smart spoke uh, yesterday to me. I don't know the order of it. I was busy. I didn't. Maybe he spoke before. Was it before? Was third. All right. So regardless. And I thought because Kirby was asked about Dumas Johnson as well just like how he's been playing. And I thought Kirby gave a pretty honest answer where he's like, I've been good, but needs to be better. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, a lot of times they just kind of puff up the players as they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing and yada, yada. But like you see when you watch the game film that like Dumas Johnson is not making critical mistakes that opponents are exploiting. So it's not that, but he's also not making the same explosive plays that maybe he made in the first month of the season. So then that same question was asked to Dumas Johnson and if you're watching this, you're going to get more out of this because just like seeing his facial expressions as he assesses his own game and where he needs to improve, I think you see someone that I think he has confidence in himself, but it definitely sounds like he's trying to search for whatever it is that's slowing him down from being better than he's currently being. Here's Demos Johnson. I've been playing okay. Um, I don't feel like I've been playing up to the standard and um, the way I, I could play. Um but my teammates keep me high, and uh, my coaches keep me high. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I ain't going to say it's bad or good, but it's okay. Um, I just probably got to clean up some, you know, I I, I control so far. Um, get me here and there. Um, just things like that. I mean, he comes around to eye control, but he kind of like you see him going through like whatever he wants to say of the specific thing that he needs to improve. But overall, it just sounds like I'm not really feeling it like I want to. No, yeah, you can tell this is a guy who he he likes those big plays. You know, this is a guy who burst on the scene with uh, crazy 
interceptions as a true freshman, you know, just snatching balls out of the air, guys talking about it was that buzz. And it's tough. I mean, like Quay Walker right now is leading all the rookies in the NFL in tackles. He's got like 86 tackles, you know. Kobe Dean's not playing as much, but, you know, when you had him and Channing Tindall, all three drafted linebackers, it's tough to hear buzz about a guy behind him. But, hey, go back to when you had Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, there was buzz about this kid named DeAndre Swift, you know. The, the, the players who were going to be good later on, you hear about them. And we were hearing about, you know, this kid named Pops, you know, the guy who looks 47 years old and uh, he's built like a brick crap house. You know, this is a, he's going to be a, a star. And this year he came on in his first year playing any significant time. Last few games they've played, well, not against Kentucky, but the two games prior to that, they played some really unique offenses. You know, that's just some – just weird, you know, kitchen sink type stuff that you know, Kentucky and Mississippi State throw at. I mean, uh, you know, Tennessee and Mississippi State throw at you. Being a big line. Did I lose you, Roddy? I may have lost you there for a second in the middle of your thought. Uh, may have an internet issue with Roddy here. So essentially, I think what Pop is alluding to is probably some of what we've seen from Smile Munden not necessarily being uh, beside him for the middle of the season. And I think those two together are, are better uh, than they were otherwise. Um, Roddy, I don't know if that was my internet or your internet that buffered, but I kind of lost you in the middle of your thought, and it looks like it's trying to work itself back in here now. Yeah. Uh, I seem to be here, but we'll see. Yeah, I got you now. Okay. All right, connection is unstable. Now, see, coach, coach uh, takes a week off, or and all of a sudden, all, everything goes to hell. I appreciate that. That's but that's why I'm here to like cover for all of you. <laughs> that's why you have me on the payroll. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for bringing us back. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Foster's this, using point. that old dial-up internet again. <laughs> hey, dude, we're owned by AOL. What do you think I have to use? <laughs> I mean, I'm stuck with him. I'm still on Yahoo's payroll, man. Come on. Uh, yeah, that's the. Uh, I was mentioning about Dumas Johnson. That's a guy who he, if he's not having, I don't say he's just big plays, but he, even though Georgia leads the nation in uh, uh, fewest points allowed per game, he's still not happy with where he's at. Where he's at, you know. And that's a that smiles not happy where he's at, you know. Zion Logue's not happy. Ringo didn't. I mean. Keely Ringo is the softest spoken guy. I would, if I could give him any advice, it'd be to speak up. I feel like when I'm interviewing, I have to stick my camera right by his mouth because he's just so quiet. It's like, uh, like, how do the other guys hear you talking shit when you're so quiet? But uh, that's a guy who, even though he's had two huge plays in the last three games, he'll go back and look at the times he's gotten beat, you know, uh, and he's he's not happy with where he's at, and he sets, has said as much. So point being – I think it was after the Mississippi State game, Georgia wins, and Kirby's like, we got a lot to work on. You know, I'm like, dude, you're 10-0. and 0. But he's like – and he, you can just see it. It's not coach speak. Kirby will say stuff to you or to the media that sounds like a cliche, but he legitimately means it when he says uh, – and I give him grief for saying, oh, uh, A.D. Mitchell could have gone back in. Yeah, he could have. I mean, tech, that's technically true, but you know there wasn't a chance of him going in. So you get some of those uh, prevocations when it comes to injuries and stuff. But when he says, you know, we've got to get better. Huh? Revocation, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying when he 
<laughs> says stuff like that, you take some of it with a grain of salt. But when he says we've got areas to get better, he means it. Because when he says we haven't played our best game yet, what, I mean, I don't think any games has been as good as that Oregon game. Who do you think is the best trash talker on Georgia's defense? Because I was trying to assess that when I was at the Mississippi State game. And my guess, and I think it's just because he's a jitterbug and he's an energy guy, I, I think it's probably Bullard. Who's that? Javon Bullard. That's my guess. Uh, he's too busy running around. Oh, and, uh, like people may not hear him because he's just yeah. running everywhere. <laughs> but like, I think he's talking the whole time. That's my assumption. Yeah. See, I would have, I would say it was Nolan Smith because he's creative, you know, but he's so polite. But I could just see him talking crap to people throughout the game. You know, I could see him lining up against a, a offensive tackle, letting him know exactly what he's going to do. It's like I'm a club, I'm a club, and I'm going to rip, and I'm going to get to your quarterback and just do it. Nobody could hear Ringo. <laughs> he's so quiet when he talks. I mean, he could be talking the best smack. You know, have done research about their sisters, their mamas, their dads, their cousins. You know, their hometown. Have all the research done, ready just to bust on them. Got 47 dozens ready to go. Your mama's so fat and just, but nobody would hear him say it. So I don't know that it will work for him. But I think Chris Smith, because, hey, dude, Hateville Charter, those guys can talk some stuff, you know. And on offense, uh, it's got to be uh, Kyrus Jackson. I think Smith's one of those guys that Georgia's opponents probably look at and say, how long can he actually be in college there? Before this, say that about Stetson too. Well, I, I know Stetson has like the this is setting a new bar on what that is, but like because I mean you're talking Rose Bowl in 17 that Stetson was on that team. 2017. This is five yeah. years later. It was funny because I remember we were out there at the Rose Bowl and uh, I asked about him and we had the Mel Tucker quote that goes off and everyone gets a big deal out of it and everyone acted like They've been reporting on him all year. I'm like, y'all don't even know who this kid is, you know. Some and I, I remember people asking, who who the hell is he talking about, you know? And it's just so funny because that game feels like it's a thousand years in the past. I mean, that was three jobs ago for Mel Tucker, <laughs> and he's still here, you know. But you're right. I mean, uh, Chris Smith, you know, guys like that. I mean, we, we all made fun of. Um, Rochester. Rochester. Rochester for forever, and what was it after that? Uh, I think it was the Kentucky win that, I mean, the uh, Tennessee win. Kirby's like, yeah, we win with guys that want to be here. We took nobody in from the transfer portal. And he mentioned this again yesterday. He talked about, uh, you know, he's asked about NIL and stuff like that. And, you know, guys going to the transfer portal, how do you keep them happy? And I thought it was a great uh, insight into the program when he said, look, when kids are going into the transfer portal, and we need to cut this clip because this is this is one of those – it just happened so fast. I don't think a lot of people caught it. We tell them, if you can't start here, you can't start in the NFL. We're just fair. A guy goes somewhere – you can't beat out the guys on the field, so you're going to go to another school. You're going to play there, but if you, you're going to – if you can't beat out Nolan Smith and you transfer somewhere else – well, guess what? You're going to be going up against Nolan Smith for one of those 256 draft spots. You're, you're going to face him in uh, Indianapolis in the Combine. So if you can't beat him here, you can go somewhere else and play. But, hey, Brenton Cox, if you can't do it, uh, yeah, you might get there, but somebody's probably going to go ahead of you. He says, look, if you can't get uh, start here, 
then you won't be able to start in the NFL. What do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of this community, this program, the goals that we're going to achieve as a team, or do you want to go, you know, and he mentioned uh, guys being unselfish and stuff like that. We're not taking a shot, but he's mentioned that in the past. But I thought that, that was a great way to put it, you know, because we always ask him, hey, what do you say to him before they go to the NFL? What do you say to a kid that's transferring? We talk to him about their options. He never tells us what they actually say. But I want to say that was a little of a slip yesterday where he gives them a philosophy. Look, you know, hey, Major Burns, we love you. You know, Micaiah Tom, uh, Otis Reese, you guys are great. Uh and if you want to go back for something closer to your home, I get that. That makes sense. But if you want to go somewhere else because you can't start here, well, it's not going to help you in the NFL. So I agree with you. And it stood out to me too. Yeah. I am going to be a hater on one aspect of this conversation though, because Kirby smarts done this rallying cry for two or three times now where he said, you know, we didn't take anybody from the portal. He says that after games, like that's something that Georgia obviously has rallied around to say, this is our team. These are our guys. We didn't take anybody. It's community building. Yeah. But it ain't like he didn't try. No, there yeah. were players that he wanted. There were spots they would have filled. This was just that Georgia did not get the transfers that it wanted. Well, they also had a ton of guys. I mean, they uh, they were kind of full too. Remember, most of the summer we're like Georgia sitting at like ninety scholarships, eighty-eight scholarships, eighty now. Some of those guys are not on scholarship. We know that. But for guys that they listed as, you know. Uh, signees on signing day, these guys, you know, uh, Georgia signs 28 players, Georgia signs 25 players. When you add them up and the guys who are still here, uh, yeah, some of those are gray shirts, some of those are blue shirts, you know, some of those are uh, preferred, you know, they look like they're scholarship guys and they're a, but they're a preferred walk on. But what Georgia does not say is each one of these signed a, uh, a, financial aid agreement and they are on scholarship. You notice they never introduce it that way. So you're never mm. just exactly sure who's here and who's not. Remember, uh, Dan Jackson wasn't even on scholarship. So it's not like they were- I'm just saying that if it's a more accurate statement, which is not always yeah. going to be, there's not always incentive to be accurate. The no. sentence would have gone something like, we didn't take any transfers because Tank Bigsby decided to stay at Auburn for reasons X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, take the tires on that. And Kirby will say that. And it's, it's going to happen this coming uh, season. They're going to take some kids out of the transfer portal. I mean, right now, you definitely need a, you know, a wide receiver. You know, where, where's that top guy? Uh, I could definitely, I mean, uh, where are you going to running back? You know, probably want a quarterback, right? Defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that if you've got a top quarterback that wants to come here. Say, look, come in, come in and fight for the job. But it's going to be somebody that they believe can play right away. I mean, when you've had your, you know, your Lawrence Cagers and guys like that, congrats to him on. I think he got his first start. Uh, He's a tight end now, right? Yeah. Cager? Yeah. So guys like come in and actually play right away, you know, who can make, you know, I mean, go back to that, you know, when Maurice Smith came from Alabama, you know, he's not going to bring somebody in, let him sit the bench. Um, most of his transfers have been uh, uh, Wolf comes in plays you know uh, they're gonna bring somebody in who can actually help the team so uh, now the point that i will make i the transfers that georgia has taken as a whole especially now that the program has been built more they tend not to be superstars they're just kind of additional pieces right so it's needing cager receiver um like jay hayes came from notre dame and you barely saw him he was just a piece of the program. If if Maurice Smith came into Georgia now, he wouldn't play hardly at all. It's just a different era of Georgia football, right? You, know, you think differently. 
No, I think Murray Smith was really good. I think he, I was, think but, he was really good. But I mean, Terry Kinder came in and was your starting corner all year. You yeah, know? but all right, fair point there because he's probably been the highlight of it. But I, I haven't seen Georgia have the 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 Jameer Gibbs come in and be like, "Oh, you're a focal point of our offense." I haven't seen but, that in the transfers. I'd have to go back and look over looking, but they, they maybe they come in and they are role players, but it's uh, what is Kirby? Jamie doing? Newman. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie could have been your starting guy. I mean, and they didn't play. But I mean, you could point to, I would say, of the guys that they brought in was maybe three didn't play a lot, but everybody else did. You know, I mean, like I said, even Wolf came in and. Look at me, snap. Almost a good player. You know, uh, Taki. Uh, trying to think of who was the other guy. Um, there was another wide receiver that came in and played a lot, you know. So, anyway, because uh, they went like two back to back years with transfer wide receivers that, you know, bailed George out of a lot of things. So, uh, but point being, he's going to, they're going to look at it this way. And we got signing day coming up, uh, what, about a month from yesterday. So uh, they can't get somebody there. And here's the thing Texas AM is probably going to have some serious transfers going, uh, it, serious players going to the transfer portal. Some of these other schools are going to as well Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. You're going to have your choices, you know. And it's going to be tough when um, you're like, hey, do we. That kid could, that kid could come here and be a star, you know. Um, and it's tough when you're trying to designate. Can a Tyke Smith come in and play? You know, it's just. But the one thing, like I said, I won't question Kirby Smart on their uh, short yardage. You know, getting that fixed. I'm sure they will. The one thing I can't, absolutely can't question him on is player personnel. They he's done a fantastic job to lose. The guys that they had lost previously to the transfer portal and then lose 15 to the NFL and right now be sitting in the number one team offensively and defensively in the top 10 in points scored and points allowed. You know, you're, I think they're the only team guaranteed to pretty much be going to the playoffs right now. Yeah, I'm not going to nitpick. You had mentioned choices. You know where you get a lot of choices? What kind of shrimp you want from Prime Shrimp? I do. That's the, the, I'm going to tell you the French Quarter Alfredo, my wife will smack you down to get it because it's really good. I like the uh, lemon and cracked pepper. That's my favorite. Just the uh, or the the unseasoned. I get that a lot, and I drop it in the boiling bag. Then I add it. Uh, I make a quick cocktail sauce, you know, with horseradish. It's just it's phenomenal. And then you know, you have your shrimp cocktail. Uh, hit them up when you get a chance. Use promo code UGA Sports. Get twenty dollars off your first order. If you see the French Quarter Alfredo or the uh, signature season, you see they're eighteen bucks, twenty bucks, and it's two packages. So it comes in a, a bigger package, and then you open it up, and there's two little uh, clear plastic bags in there with the shrimp, and you can see the seasonings on it. You take one bag out, you drop it in the boiling water. Four minutes later, take it out, snip it off. It's done. Uh, so basically, you're getting two packs per order. And if you get $20 off your first order, then you get one of those for free. So let's say you want the French Quarter Alfredo and um, then add the garlic herb butter and use promo code UGA Sports and get the garlic herb butter for free. So hit them up. Uh, we had last week and be sure to jump on there. Uh, when the, you go to the website, it's like, hey, stay in touch with us. They sent out a promo code last week called Flash 48. It was 48% off 
anything you order for 48 hours. It was a 48 hour flash sale. So we had a ton of people, UGA sports buying two, $300 worth of shrimp, getting 50% off. Um, I may have used that promo code myself, you know, because why not? I'm also, waiting for you to text me and tell me what dates to put in my calendar for when you're going to pay for all of us at UGA Sports to go back to New Orleans next year. So when when that comes around, you tell oh, me, and I'll yeah. make sure to block off my calendar because yeah, you know probably, I, probably July. July. I love some Nola. Yeah, we had a good time in New Orleans. That was, that was a good one. Uh, speaking of New Orleans, I want to mention our friends over at Dead Soxy. Um, they they know New Orleans quite well. Uh, they also know uh, Mississippi's uh, Ole Miss because there's a couple of Ole Miss grads, but they have their Cyber Week buy one, get one all week long sale going on. Uh, this is a great deal. especially So basically you can go buy yourself some of these fantastic socks that stay up and that are really comfortable, that are warm because I'm you know, still freezing. Uh, grab the socks from Dead Soxy. It's their Cyber Week deal. Buy one bundle, get one bundle free. You know, the four packs, the three packs, the, you know, the huge Georgia pack has you know all the neat uh, stuff from uh the, the, all the red and black uh, colors and patterns and stuff like that get one for yourself and get one for the georgia fan in your life get one for the uh, south carolina fan or the old miss fan or the uh, alabama fan or tennessee whatever you like check out the cyber week sale at dead socks they better get those navy blue and orange socks over to lane kiffin he will need them for <laughs> his upcoming obligations yeah i guarantee you the folks at dead socks you're like that nope nope we'll get to, we're gonna put some nil money out there <laughs> try to keep uh late gift an old mess i'm going to the egg bowl on thursday so i'm just pumped to see what like because i think there's going to be a combination of old miss fans that excited that it's mississippi state uh coming into town but i think there's also going to be old miss fans are like why is he even coaching we all know he's going to auburn like he should have just bailed on us in the middle of the night I could see him walking out and being booed. I could see him in his post-game news conference being like, whatever in the game, I love our players, but War Eagle. And then that's that. Like, that's how it happened. I could totally see <laughs> he would, he's already had one have, you know, stealthy uh, leave like a thief in the night type uh, departure from a, a SEC school. And that, that got him uh, mustard and golf balls chucked at his head the next time he went up there. So uh, if you're going to leave for a – from a team in the West to a team in the West that you're going to have to face every year. You better leave with some sort of class and dignity. Let's get to some questions here from UGASports.com. And uh, a lot of these were intended for Coach Donnan, as they always are with his Thanksgiving travels, uh, why he's not with us right now. Pierce Outlaw says, how does the offense do better in short yardage situations? We've touched on that, Roddy, but I don't know that I flatly ask you your take of what Georgia should do to get one yard. I really think – then again, I asked, I asked Kirby specifically. We played the tape. It's like, what you know, what do they need to do? I think to the people who said, hey, quit just trying to run up the middle. Yeah, it's a statement play. You should be able to get that one yard. But I think if there was a little bit more indecision amongst those uh, def defensive coordinators, you look at the tape all year long, at least nine times out of nine times, Georgia's been in a lineup and grind out a yard, grind out two yards. And they – they scouted you and know what your preferences is, you know, or your preferences are. Uh, we, they, we want to run over left guard. Okay. We're going to go right guard with a tight end on this side. You know, um, they map your tendencies. They play your tendencies. They plan for it. Okay. Third and one call this play. I think if there were a little bit more uh, variety, then maybe uh, 
they can't quite guess correctly because sometimes it is a guess you know, where, where they put their personnel and they guess right. So I'm thinking just uh, a little more play action, a little more, uh, like you said, just having the ability for Stetson to do something different, give him one other option than just handing it off to a small tailback and hoping he can worm between a couple guys. That's just, I think it would give a little bit of hesitation. Ghost of Crowell asks, this is a non-dog question. Outside of UGA, what's your favorite uniform in college football? I'm asking because I was watching USC and UCLA on Saturday, and both of those uniforms, UCLA, uh, UCLA wore its, its powder blue, USC wore its red. Together in the field, it looked really good. I don't know that I have a favorite. I'll tell you, outside of any association with UGA, I just love North Carolina and Chapel Hill, the one time I've been up there, and I like their uniforms and their helmet. I like the Michigan helmets. I always thought that was a neat look. You know? Don't really there care are others out there. Hmm? Me and my friend Jack text about uniform stuff a lot, especially in the offseason, so I'll have to uh, do a uniform show one day for Ghost of Crowell because we can make that happen. Uh, let's see. I, I don't care for uh, Oregon's new outfit every week. The worst I've ever seen was Florida's gator print thing. That was the way. Well, that and, I mean, Georgia had a bad combination down there, too, one time in, in Jacksonville. The black on black. Not great. This is from Nate Doggy, Dog 401. Offensive and defensive MVPs. You can't say Stetson or Jalen Carter. And Brock Bowers, and uh, on defense, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll go against the grain and give me Javon Bullard. I was going to go Darnell Washington, and I'll go Pop. I'll go Dumas Johnson. Yeah. I think Dumas Johnson is totally one of those guys. You don't always notice him when he's in there, which is not the greatest compliment. But I promise you, if he isn't, you're going to notice. Yeah. That's the compliment with him. Oh, Foster Moss, I think you win this game. Ole Miss with the powder blues, with the red. Yeah, Ole Miss has a great look. Lane Kiffin will be jumping down blue. in fashion. I don't like okay. powder. It's, it's, it's a man's game. Powder blue just doesn't do it for me. Or orange or light green like Oregon does all the time. Don't give me orange. Don't give me powder blue. Give me awful, boring, manly colors. Blacks and reds and dark blues and angry colors. That's what I want. While Roddy grunts, I'll ask this question, NBA Timber Dog. If you could only pick one, what true freshman do you project will have the greatest impact for Georgia in the next two years? That is tough. If you think of true freshmen that are making impacts now, I'm thinking Starks and Michael Williams and a little bit of Bear Alexander. Maybe Gunnar Stockton. I'm going to go against the grain here. I think the answer is probably Malachi Starks, but just to give you a different name, because of potential depth chart issues that I foresee in the next two years, I think Georgia will be leaning heavily on Ernest Green. Yeah, I mean, that that's the only top lineman they have. Uh, that's, I mean, he's the one that really kind of stood out in the uh, – in that group they brought in and he was doing really well. And uh, early on, people were talking about him a lot. I could see that. Um, thinking now that when you, but you lose Keely Ringo, you know, so 
Uh, you got to have a corner come in. You got two five-star cornerbacks and Jaheim Singletary, you know, and uh, Julian Humphrey. So maybe one of those. I could see Marvin Jones Jr., but uh, Michael Williams has already has already started some games, and he's just going to get better. And we see what uh, a nightmare an outside edge rusher can do like that. So, but I was thinking just from an impact. I mean, if Gunnar Stockton wins it, then the ball is in his hands every play if he wins the starting job. But again, I don't see him. Branson Robinson. I don't see him getting it in two years. So. Uh, I'm gonna go Michael Williams. That's got it. Don't get me wrong, Malachi Starks, big, he's already had game changing plays, but just from a uh, you uh, you mentioned the guy, was it Perkins at LSU? Yeah, Harold Perkins. Perkins. Uh, you look at what uh, you know, Alabama's guy, I can't think of the guy's name in Alabama, that's such a pain in the butt. Edge rusher there, Will Anderson, Anderson, yeah, Will. So you can Michael Williams could be that guy. So. Branson Robinson is the other one in this conversation as Georgia's running backs turnover. He'll be a leader starting next year. And those arms. I'm just afraid to not say him because what if he saw me on campus or something? It's the nicest kid on the team. From P Tech one, is Georgia Tech that much improved, or did they just catch North Carolina on a bad day? You mentioned this two top twenty-five wins for Brent Key at Georgia Tech. Kirby Smart mentioned it as well. Georgia Tech is playing much more sound football than they did under Jeff Collins. We should mention Jeff Collins coached at Georgia Tech for, what, four years, three years, and has never been to Athens. Uh, It's a combination of both. They are – they realize they had nothing to lose. You know, there's that tenseness when you have a coach who's going to be fired. It affects everything in the program. Once that – Boyle is lanced. There's the relief. Okay. The worst has happened. Now you're playing with house money. They relax. You know, it's like some guys are thinking about the transfer portal. You know, you don't know who the next coach is going to be, but now you're playing for a coach you like. And you see this a lot of times with an interim coach. You're seeing it with Auburn with uh, uh, Cadillac Williams. You know, they, they love playing for the guy. They love playing for a Auburn guy. They, you know, the guys at tech love playing for a tech guy. Uh, you know, Georgia players love playing for a Georgia guy. He gets it. He's been through the same locker room. He's been through the same grind. He's His blood and sweat and tears are on that same practice field where you're busting your tail. So I can see they're playing differently. But they're also, to your point, they're not as many mistakes. They're playing much more physical. Um, they're making teams they're, earn it more. And, look, I, North Carolina should have won that game. They had the touchdown yeah. in the end zone to a good receiver from a great quarterback, and he dropped the ball. Now, there were a lot of other plays that impacted the result of that game. But if that catch is made, North Carolina beats Georgia Tech. People forget that it was close, and North Carolina still moves on to play NC State this week and, and potentially go to the ACC championship game where it's a battle of one-loss teams trying to make a resume for the playoff, and then all that faded away. Also, I look at the ACC. I mean, you're beating ACC teams. I'm, I'm not impressed. And uh, Georgia Tech is better than they were. They're not on Georgia's level. As long as Georgia doesn't have a ton of turnovers and penalties and special teams clubs, Georgia will win. Uh, they are Georgia's not looking ahead. I spoke to some people, you know, about this. Uh, this is a situation where, remember, before Florida, they were practicing a little bit on Tennessee and uh, kind of, hey, let's get out, let's do all our Florida work. Oh, and let's throw in some Tennessee stuff as well. Now, there, Georgia is going to keep with their standard schedule. Get because it's a, it's kind of a shorter week. 
you know, you're still getting all your hours in, but you've got to have, take a break there for Thanksgiving. So they're going to bust their tails, get prepped for uh, uh, Georgia Tech, beat them. Kirby's not going to let them ruin his perfect season. And then, you know, you've got time to focus your efforts on facing LSU. You got all your guys scouting ahead on LSU, and, you know, you'll have your reports Sunday night or, excuse me, Saturday night about, you know, all their tendencies and stuff like that. But uh, it's not lightning in a bottle over there, but they are a better team than, you know, if we talked about this game. I mean, this, you're still a 35-point favorite. This five touchdowns. Uh, but they are better than they were. All right, I want you to uh, rate me on this. Uh, hang on, I want to give credit to Bill mentioned the Navy uniforms for the Army-Navy game. Any of the Army-Navy uniforms, any of them, they all look good. I want you to rate me on this. All right, you ready? Right. Zero. So, so, well, okay, great. Uh, you said, because I was trying to get this, and then you said a lot of words after it, and you kind of ruined my flow, which is fine. I can adjust on, on the flow. Well, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, yeah. you said uh, that Kirby is is not looking ahead. But if you want to look ahead to what your career could be, you should go to our friends at My Perfect Franchise. Wow. 10, 10 out of 10 for that transition. Well done. And look, the guy's name is Andy Ludecki. It, it looks very fancy, My Perfect Franchise, a website. It's, it's, it's a guy. You're not, you reach out there, you might get a secretary or uh, whoever he has to ask for the phone. You might call and just get him directly. But it's one guy. His name's Andy Ludecki. He is a huge college football fan and he's done this on a ton of rivals websites and basically says look if you're sick and tired of being a you know corporate peon you know you're when you have the corporate rat race you know uh if you want to create some income and wealth you know you want some unlimited pay time off and you want to diversify what you have going on uh do you hate your job do you hate your boss do you hate your pay feel like you're stuck He's going to be able to help get you out of that because basically there are 3,000 different franchises out there. Some are you doing your, some you doing your uh, spare time. Some are full time. Some are low investment. Some are high investment. You go to the bankers and get it set up and he can help you with all that. But basically if you want to change in your career and you want to be the person who signs the front of the check and not the back of the check, it's a no brainer to reach out to Andy Ludecki and he has helped tons of people who are subscribers to rivals start new businesses. It doesn't cost you anything. He gets paid by the franchise when, you know, you say you're the next uh, Papa John's or whatever, you know, or you're the next uh, service pro or the next uh, roofing company. Uh, I know some people have started roofing companies under him. The people who are sell you the franchise pay him for it. So his job is to get you into the right one so that, you know, down the road, so you're happy there. And uh, we've had a bunch of folks at UGA Sports. They have new careers thanks to Andy Ledecky. So we appreciate what he does. Hit him up. Oh, I, I also got to mention our friends at uh, Academia Brewing Company. When you, uh, when you folks get a chance, I know if you were watching the uh, World Cup game yesterday when uh, the United States went up against Wales, the stupid guys got that uh, equalizer there at the end. Very frustrating. But uh, so Georgia, I mean, uh, USA has tied Wales one to one. The, they had the uh, Academia van with its all its uh, taps built in. They were actually out of the Royal Peasant and uh, pouring beer for folks out there. It was a great scene from everything I saw. Uh, check them out. And, of course, if you want to uh, get, get Thanksgiving coming up, but you actually want to uh, get away after spending a lot of time with family or before you spend time with family, you want to go try some fantastic beer, or you just want to get a lot of great beer for Thanksgiving. 
uh, swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Uh, they'll have wine Wednesday tomorrow night. So you can go out there and get a glass of wine before all the Thanksgiving festivities kick in. So hit them up when you get a chance. And um, you will have, have a wonderful – follow them on Facebook because that's where they post, seem to post like in uh, Instagram. That's where they post all their new beers and all the um, uh, events they have coming up. They always have live music. They have uh, trivia nights. Uh, check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Matt Casey, giant, giant Georgia fan. He's a Georgia alum. This guy lives and breathes the Bulldogs. So support the people who support the dogs. And Academia Brewing Company is one such. I have tried to get into the World Cup because I'm a very novice soccer fan, but I'm friends with a lot of people who are. And there's a lot of things that make me uncomfortable around this World Cup. However, the action itself has been delightful. And maybe I just enjoy being able to wake up because my kids wake me up early. And then there's live sports happening, like as I'm drinking my coffee. That's not an experience I'm used to other than like Australian Open tennis. But apparently from the people I've talked to in soccer, this upset today, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, is one of the biggest upsets <laughs> in the history of sports. And you may have contacts that I don't considering where your family has roots just around a different part of the world that I'm from. But like Saudi Arabia – this is a big freaking deal. I was asking, like, what's the equivalent to college? And I think that made some soccer people upset. Like, oh, it's not even the same conversation. I'm like, I'm just asking. Degree of talent that got beat by a different degree of talent. Give me the disparity. And I was hearing, like, Division three beating a superpower in college football, something like that. Be like uh, Buford High School beating the Bears, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what, what, what happened? How, what, what's going on here? So it's gigantic. I mean, Argentina, that's – Talking royalty, man. That's absolute royalty. But I'll, I remember in 1990, I was traveling to the Middle East for one of the first times in my life since I was like a little kid. So I went out there after I graduated and I got to Jordan and <laughs> slept forever because the, the jet lag got me. Woke up and I go out and see the family. They're all having dinner and uh, we're having a snack. And I'm like, hey, well, let's take me out. Let me see the town. They're like, no, no, the, the cup is on. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, the World Cup. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Wrong thing to say. Well, point being, we drove to get something, um, some snacks for the game. The entire city of Amman, Jordan, shut down. There was one guy on the corner uh, in a, like a food truck thing, and he had a line of like 15 people, and that was the only place to get anything to eat. All the stores were closed. I mean, like the, the gas stations, the grocery shops. Everything was closed. I'd never seen anything like it. And it wasn't, Jordan wasn't in it. Egypt was in it. Mm. Okay? So Egypt was playing that night. And I mean, I won't say the hospitals were closed, but that's probably where, where it was. If I mean, this, they would have closed down the uh, Waffle Houses. Nobody was there. The one guy selling uh, kebabs on the street corner and doing a brisk business because he was the only option. But when when people say oh the, the entire country shut down, they say that as kind of a you know an exaggeration. No, they literally shut everything down. Nobody works. I mean, you could you wouldn't be able to rob anybody's house because they were all home, but there were no police out riding around in cars and stuff like that. Everybody was in front of a TV. So I'm just saying they when and to be in it, I think Egypt lost, you know, but just to be in it is that big a deal, you know, to play that game. So fun times and shout out to the Saudis for uh, those guys will never ever have to uh, buy a house again. I would say buy a drink, buy a dinner and they won't even have to buy houses. 
Well, I do encourage people if like I'm not naturally inclined to be a soccer fan. So I've had to really stretch myself to try to learn the culture and try to learn just a lot of different things about it. It's coming here next time around 2026. Atlanta is hosting some of the World Cup. And it's still not as good as SEC football, though. Oh, it won't be. But what I'm saying, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm talking about in general. It's, I mean, people watch that game yesterday. It's like, yeah, Georgia, uh, United States scores a goal, and then you have like you have four hours of nothing happening to them. Although, you know, the diehard soccer fans are like, look how aggressive the United States is being. Yeah, look at the, all the shots on goal are exciting, but people are still going to tune into the Egg Bowl and watch that. The uh, drama of uh, Lane Kiffin. Clapping back at a reporter last night, man. That was – I get it. You know? Especially when he goes to Auburn. That's even going to be funnier. <laughs> like when he actually does it in the reporter. I, right. I, I get why they shut the whole thing down. But it's uh, it's like Alabama. You know, there's an Alabama game on, an Auburn game on. The entire state, you know, tunes in. They don't have any other options, you know. That World Cup final in 2026, the final will be in Arlington at the at Jerry World, which to me is just so funny of like, hey, we're going to do World Cup in America. What do we want to show off? Who has the big ass scoreboard? Boom. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> um, all right. We're, let's wrap. We, we can go rapid fire with these uh, that from UGASports.com. Which position group for Georgia has been the biggest surprise this season? I was thinking the secondary because they played so well, but I have to go inside linebackers. I didn't think that the inside linebackers would be as good as they were. I just losing the guys. I'm going defensive line line because uh, Nazir Stackhouse has gotten much better this season. He's playing really good football right now. And I thought other than Jalen Carter, it was going to be a massive struggle. And I think that they have come along on that group. I'm with you there. Uh, Coastal VA dog for doing so so well. I'm very happy for him. Coastal VA, VA dog says, "I Coastal. don't remember locker room strife ever being a problem at Georgia, but it sounds like it was at Tennessee. Just guys arguing. How has Kirby Smart been so successful in keeping a tight locker room in the day of NIL transfer portal and the me first attitudes?" Kirby always talks about leadership, and he mentioned. Every time you ask them about what made last year's team a success, why did they win the national title? He will say because we had good leadership. You know, they had those skull sessions where guys got to know each other better, and that's a good thing. They do work on culture all the time, and it's not something you can manufacture. We, we see people in our industry all the time try to manufacture uh, message boards like the dog event. They go get a bunch of people, hey, talk about Georgia football, and they try to force a community to grow. You can't. It's organic. It's just going to grow or it's not. And the dog event's been around since 1997, you know, the grapevine before that. It's just, you know, there's a shared history there. It's the same when it comes to a football club. You can't force camaraderie. You can't force selfless, self, selflessness. You can't force uh, leadership. You can have guys yelling at other guys, you know, to step up, you know. And, hey, go back to uh, we were talking about Pops earlier. Second game of the season, he's chewing out, I think, Kamari Lasser or somebody like that. And knowing that he's, you know, he's like, look, I've made mistakes too, but I'm going to hold you accountable and you hold me accountable. You saw that last year in the championship game with N'Kobe Dean. Um, you don't get that every year. I mean, we can, I can point to numerous years where Georgia had a ton of guys who were going into the NFL and each guy was on his own path. You see that at other, uh, other schools, you know, you've got a lot of talent, but those guys don't play as a team. 
a guy won't pull himself out to put a better guy in, you know, uh, guys trying to go for a, a sack, you know, to get their sack numbers up instead of playing their assignments, you know, uh, Garrison this Smith. Back to Kirby's first full off season. And this is what really started whatever this culture has been of leader trains person below. It was when Chubb and Michelle and Bellamy and Carter came back to Georgia and set up that run for 2017. And if that doesn't happen, who knows if this develops like it has. Then it's like you said earlier, Chubb, Michelle gone. Here comes Swift. All right, Swift gone. He's doing it for the next guy in that group. And all of a sudden, the older guys tend to be, even if they're not pro players, they tend to be the ones that bring along the younger guys. And that cycle for Georgia has been a very fruitful one. That can, that can stop at some point, but. Yeah, and then they'll cut guys, cut, cut guys loose, you know. Um, I mean, I look at what Jonathan Ledbetter, how the leadership that he gave guys in that room, you know, and each guy can point somebody else. So point being, they do stress culture. They do stress leadership. And the guys who are not – who don't buy in, he talks about buy-in all the time. And, again, it's one of those things that sounds like a coaching uh, cliché. He mentions leadership and people roll their eyes, you know, and we'll ask him who's the leaders. And he's like, well, we got a bunch of them. And I'm sure the people who are watching the press conference go, ah, ask him about why they couldn't get it. Why didn't you punch it in? You know, why aren't you throwing to Brock Bowers more? Ask this, you know, ask the tough questions. I'm like, well, if you want to know if this team's going to win, the leadership that was on display when Georgia was trailing on the road at Missouri, that leadership stepped up, that, that uh, holding others accountable, getting that buy-in. And Kirby will ask him, hey, why is this guy better? He goes, well, about midway through the season, he started buying in more, you know. And the other players will say that, look, when the kid got here, he wasn't doing this, but now he's asking for extra, you know, and, you know, learning to do it the right way. So once they get him to buy in and buy into that team mentality, that's had a lot to do with that to the uh, question there. And thanks, Coastal, because you know, Coastal is one of our best posters, so we appreciate that. Final question from Bulldog, Ben, does AD – uh, play against LSU, and then we had the question earlier in the in the chat section over here too about AD. Uh, so we'll talk about AD Mitchell, and then we'll talk about also uh, that just wants our prediction for Ohio State Michigan. Uh, I don't see AD Mitchell playing this week, not at all. I mean, just I haven't heard that. You know, and Kirby was asked about. It. He said, "Look, last week he wasn't. I mean, he's doing individual stuff, but he's not out there doing 11 and 11." I don't expect that to happen this week either um, against LSU. Maybe he's healthy. You bring him back, but with seems even, unlikely, right? Like it seems uh, like you'd rather have the month off in between to kind of get him back with the rest right. of the you know, it's, it's it's a big game. You can win it without him. Uh, Marcus Roseby Jackson's been playing really well. Lad McConkey's apparently got over his uh, the yips that he had. I don't, in other words, and Kirby is loath to change things with um, when things are working. So, in other words, you need him and you need to be able to take those big shots down the field, but you got Aaron Smith back. So that kind of opened it up there a little bit. They didn't take shots against Kentucky because I'm seriously, at one point, uh, I get hit in the leg by a megaphone. You know, the uh, Kentucky play uh, cheerleaders have their megaphones and they have the signs they hold up, you know, go blue or, you know, Wildcats or whatever, because, you know, the whole different signs and the crowd says the same thing. One of those gusts picked up all their signs and megaphones and just sent them running down the uh, end zone. And all of a sudden, I'm getting peppered with megaphones and uh, uh, cheerleaders. The guy cheerleaders, one of the cute ones running to uh, pick them up. But so be it. Point being, it was a lot of uh, 
and I'll go back to that third field goal that uh, Jack Podlesny made. The wind was blowing sideways. I think he even mentioned, you know, sometimes you have to aim outside the uh, uprights to have it blown back in. A lot of people go, oh, you know, two minutes left. Georgia drives the field. They can't get a – can't score a touchdown. They have to settle for a field goal. That field goal was not guaranteed. That's probably the toughest one he's made in a while. So uh, I can see them not throwing bombs down the field. But when they get indoors, you know, having A.D. Mitchell back would be gigantic. But, I mean – Kirby will say, you know, these guys got to knock the rust off a little bit. So this guy hadn't played since uh, the Auburn game. You know, and there was a couple snaps there. Do you bring him back and he's rusty when you need to, when you're trying to win an SEC title? I just don't see it. And as far as Ohio State, Michigan, I think Ohio State is the deeper team. I know that the more talented team. So I think Michigan would have to have essentially a perfect game. And they have a lot of health concerns, especially at running back. So I think Michigan's going to have to try to play the game essentially that Kentucky just tried to do against Georgia, which is we're going to possess it. We're not going to make mistakes and see if you can beat us with that. Ohio State hasn't been fantastic. Uh, so I think this could definitely be competitive. But if you're just asking me who is the better team, it's Ohio State. And frankly, if I'm looking around the country, a healthy Ohio State offense is the primary thing that I think Georgia not should fear but that would be at the top of the list of, of units to respect of like, all right, that that's going to be a ball game. Georgia and Ohio state should be the best two teams in the country. Will that always bear out? I have no idea. I, Georgia talent wise should win a national championship this year. doesn't mean it will. Yeah. yeah game's got to be played. I mean, South Carolina shouldn't beat the brakes off Tennessee, but they did. <laughs> Could have scored 70 on them. Yeah. If Spencer Rattler does that, then Clemson's going to get blown out too. Cause like, whew. Hell, I mean, if you're if you're uh, Tennessee right now, you're thinking Vandy just beat, you know, Florida. Anchor down. We gotta we gotta play them now. Those guys. Hey, that's another team that's again. If you talk about uh, talk about Georgia Tech earlier in the season, talk about Vandy earlier in the season. Guess what? Teams get better at, sometimes as the season progresses, especially if you don't have a lot of injuries. Vanderbilt has the third longest SEC winning streak in the conference. It's Georgia, it's LSU, and then Vandy. Everyone else has lost in the last two games. I'm happy for him. And it's funny, if Tennessee hadn't gotten pantsed by South Carolina on national television like that, I think all anybody would be talking about is Florida losing to Vandy. But it's kind of a side note. Nobody mentions it. uh, I think that Michigan has played a lot. Michigan is better – is a good team. There's a reason they are where they are. And everyone – you know, Georgia fans think, well, if we play them again, we'll just beat them like you did last year. If you remember when Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC title game, that gave them renewed focus for when they faced them again. They got, they knew they were out of shape. Uh, they got better. They bounced back against Michigan and then beat Alabama in the fourth quarter. Let's call it what it was. It wasn't like a wire to wire. You beat Alabama's butt in the national title game. You beat them in the fourth quarter. Uh, Michigan got embarrassed by Georgia last year. Georgia was faster by far, tougher. Michigan is going to be better. But this year they've also feasted on some weaker teams. Yeah. Not a great out-of-the-conference schedule. Not a great schedule at all, really. So going up against Ohio State, I think Ohio State is at home, right, for Ohio State? It's at home for Ohio State. That they had the be, loss to Michigan last year. That place is going to be sideways, and I think it's going to affect them uh, – those people are going to be yelling their heads off. You know, the horseshoe is so loud. I think it's just going to, that's going to give them the advantage. Although, like I said, if Georgia has to face a Michigan, they're not, you're not going to be able to count as an automatic win because you beat them last year. Teams get better. But 
the team I didn't want Georgia to face last year was Ohio State just because they had all those great wide receivers they had. I didn't think Georgia's secondary could keep up with them. Um, you saw Will Levis have some success. So I'm uh, kind of thinking, yeah, let Michigan win so Georgia could face them and kind of a similar offense that you're prepared for, even though it'll be a little bit tougher. But I think Ohio State pulls this one out. Ohio State, Michigan's getting all the headlines nationally, but watch out for my guy Marcus Freeman. Those oh fighting Freemans going out to the West Coast. I I I, I kind of like Notre Dame to to send USC packing out of the playoff. That'd be fun. Yeah, I guess we find out tonight what the new playoffs look. I mean, the top four are going to be remain the same, but it'll be interesting to see how all the craziness that went on this past weekend, uh, how everybody. Uh, how five through eight factors out. I mean, we're down to seven contenders unless like super crazy chaos happens. And then there, there is a nightmare scenario where Alabama can be like, we're still here. <laughs> and, and you have muscle memory from the committee. Like we, we put Alabama in every year, you know, it's like if somebody asks you, uh, you walk up to, you're at the bar and uh, you're not expecting the bartender to pop, you know, come to you yet. And they go, Hey, what do you want? Uh, 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 rum and Coke. No, that's not what I wanted, but it's what I'm so used to saying that, that, you know, it just pops out. So I can see the committee just as a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, we lost the four or five teams. I put Alabama in. So. I do think that one of the things that needs to be adjusted going – and this, I'm going to wrap with this because I've talked a lot this show. But they need to stop this TV show every Tuesday and just put the rankings out at the end of the season. Because And my argument kind of got thrown away with North Carolina's loss. But North Carolina had been down there like 14 and 15 with a resume that was much more of like a seven or eight team. And they were going to get punished if they, you know, won out. And Clemson may still get punished by winning out and and being out of the playoff. Some of this is going to get rectified when they go to 12. But, like, them having this as a TV show, they were in a position where you've said that Tennessee's is good for a month, and you probably wouldn't have been able to leave them out had they won out. So, in some ways, the committee, I think, got bailed out by North Carolina and Tennessee losing because that was going to be an awkward spot if both of those two teams kept winning. Yeah, we knew all along there that's where they were going to wind up. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Hey, and I still go back to, I think it was the, the year Auburn went undefeated. They just, they started so far back in the preseason rankings, you know, the two teams ahead of them wound up being undefeated too. So, you know, they didn't stand a chance. I'm like, and I think that that was biased against them for, uh, you know, just how the initial rankings came up. But I'm like, look, you got three teams that are undefeated, and that's three teams that deserve to be in it. I don't care that, you know, you had these two at, you know, one and two or one and three to start the season. Screw that. It's not fair. So uh, you won't find me defending Auburn a lot of times, but in a situation like that where it's, you know, the voters kind of screw you over, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll back them up on that one. Now, you fall to get up, says, look, sounds like you're scared of Ohio State. I don't play them. I'm just saying that was, uh, you know, if you want to win a title, you look at the what the team's – that you might face are good at. And that is a pretty good offense over there. You should be intimidated by Bryce Young. You know, he's damn good. I don't want to, you know, you don't want to see, uh, or excuse me, CJ Shroud. You know, you don't want to see Bryce Young. You don't want to see those great quarterbacks, you know. Give, give me a terrible quarterback and an easy win, and I can collect confetti and give send it back out to people again. Yeah, I mean, it's just a variable because Ohio State can play not its best game, and have a better shot against Georgia. Same with Alabama, because you have Bryce Young. Like, that can eliminate a lot of bad mistakes. A team like Clemson would have to have a perfect game to beat Georgia. Exactly. So, it's like, I'm, 
doesn't matter who you're scared of. It's just, you know, well, who's your best matchup? Ask Kirby who he wants to play. He would never answer it, but we have Coach on next week. We'll ask him, who do you want in the playoffs? And I guarantee you it'll be like uh, give him a conventional offense, you know, without a great passing game. Georgia's great against the run. Give him a running team that you can shut that down. I can see it. Georgia is big Horn Frog fans right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up here. I think we're going a little long because Dane talks too much. We all know that's an issue. I get paid right. per, per word, right? <laughs> yeah, I've noticed. I right, do want to give a shout-out to our uh, sponsors, and please check them out. Take care of us. And we're thankful. You know, we're, Everybody will be talking about what they're thankful for. We're thankful that we have these sponsors, and we're thankful for you for tuning in. And we know a lot of you do check out these sponsors, and it means a lot to us because it allows me to pay my staff. So uh, shout out to Athens Ford. Check them out when you get a chance. The angel list over there is up and running. They Every time you buy a vehicle, they will take care of a child up to $100 in the community. It means a lot to uh, them to do that because they love giving back to the community. Of course, check out your pie. It's Double Points Wednesday. Dead Soxie has their buy one, get one free bundles going on. Prime Shrimp has the get $20 off your first order using promo code UGA Sports deal going down. Uh, Andy Ludecki is waiting to hear from you. You got the Christmas break here. Hit the break up and get a new career uh, with him from My Perfect Franchise. And, of course, Academic Brewing Company, when you're sick of dealing with your uh, annoying family, swing out to Academic Brewing Company and have a great beer or six out there with them. And we will talk to you next week, next Tuesday. We'll be wrapping the uh, Georgia Tech game and uh, previewing LSU. Coach will be back with us then. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. It really does mean a lot to us. You folks take care.